Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. In this episode, I talk about a student film I just worked on called Hang Up the Gloves, which I didn't even have to audition for. Another student film called The School Mistress, playing Abraham Lincoln in an independent film called American Civil War, completing my Film 2 class at the Alliance Theater, and my continued group coaching with Amy Jo Borman. Let me tell you that sometimes you get sucked into watching all kinds of television and movies to prepare for a scene. In my case, this was several Bernie Madoff productions and a cute TV show on Amazon called The Summer I Turned Pretty. Not that I ever turned pretty growing up, and there was actually no specific summer when I felt I turned handsome. Finally, a crazy orange bird has been attacking my house for the past three weeks, but I scared it away with three plastic owls I bought on Amazon. Similarly, growing up Greek Orthodox, my parents scared me away from Easter service without having to buy anything online. They were both clever and frugal. I'll get started after the break. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023. Yesterday was a crazy day. I booked another background gig today, but that's not the real news. I applied for something on Actors Access, and the casting director sent over a flurry of responses yesterday, but the sides were missing. Most casting directors do not turn on the option that allows you to respond to them with any questions. So the only thing I could do was decline the invitation, and within that, put in some text saying, I'm not really declining, but there are no sides. And then I finally got the sides. And then as I started to prepare after printing the sides out, I'm like, okay, I actually have until Friday, March 9th, which is a crazy amount of time because usually auditions are due in one or two days. March 9th is almost two weeks away. He emails me and says, you're hired. I loved your reel. And my mother loved single black female, which I had a small role in, not a speaking role. And I'm like, this is hilarious. And I ask him, are you sure I don't need to audition for this? And he's like, no, 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 you're hired. So I'm playing a therapist, which I've always wanted to play. Hopefully I will have a nice bushy beard for it and put on a cardigan sweater so I can look as avuncular as possible. Look it up, A-V-U-N-C-U-L-A-R. But it's a really sad scene and I'm having difficulty getting through it without tearing up. I can't divulge anything about it, but it's just one of those situations where like, I'm just acting, but it's so sad and hopefully I can get through it and do it without crying. I memorized all 12 segments of it last night while watching TV. Now I can record myself and watch my face to determine what I should look like while saying the lines. And then on top of it all, something crazy happened on American Idol. Kaylin Hedges' dad, who is stationed overseas, suddenly shows up as a surprise and she goes nuts. And then they pull the mother in and she goes nuts. They all cry and it was just a big cry fest. And you know how I feel about roadkill. Well, yesterday I saw a deceased dog on the side of the highway and that's something I rarely see and something I cannot quickly undo. Sorry if this ruins your day, but it ruined mine and I'm just spreading the sorrow. Okay, stop thinking about it right now. I mean it. Today I played a sommelier in Paris, actually in Grant Park. 
two women I met at the Big Tarvey commercial last fall. Jenny and Vanessa were there. And I met these two cool guys named Joe and Scott. After I was a bartender, I never actually got to pour any wine. They put me and Joe at a table. And I have to say, he is the best pantomime artist I have ever filmed with. I could actually understand what he was mouthing. He kept asking me what time it was because we had to get to the Eiffel Tower before it closed. And then we both started picking up the bread and actually eating it. For some reason, he had a meatball sandwich and I had spaghetti and meatballs in Paris of all places. I threatened to eat the meatball and he threatened to puke if I did. So I stopped it right there. I was invited to work again on Mega twice later this week. Both are overnights, but had to decline because I am once again starting to grow the beard. But I googled Abe Lincoln yesterday and discovered that he actually had no mustache. So that is going to look really strange because I will have to shave off just the mustache before filming and then spend another three weeks growing the mustache back while having a full beard. When people ask, I'll just blurt out, the Abe Lincoln look is back and I'm making it happen. Today is Monday, March 13th. 2023. Spotify has officially bought Anchor, so this is my first segment recorded under the new ownership. It's official. Anchor has been renamed Spotify for Podcasters. I filmed my scene in The Schoolmistress yesterday at the Wynne Russell House in Lilburn. It was fun. Only about four hours. Me and the woman who plays the mother were in just one scene, but we got to meet our daughter. And at the very end, the director, Alexander Michael Thomas, gave us some lines. He wasn't filming, but just picking up the dialogue, so we got to pretend we were outside playing with our five-year-old daughter. This may or may not get used in the final product. It was difficult to just make this up on the fly, not knowing how long he wanted us to talk, and he gave us notes as we were doing it, including telling us to laugh at certain points. More interesting was that the woman who played my wife is an actual therapist, so I got her take on how I might want to play my scene in another student film I'm doing in mid-April. She has also worked Doom Patrol, so now I have to watch the rest of season four. She played one of Jane's many personalities. I finished season three of Succession last night. What a show. I'm looking forward to the final season, season four, which premieres on March 26th. I don't think I've ever been so engrossed in a business-themed TV show in my life. The material is so complicated and hard to follow that I wonder if the average person can even keep up. I mean, I was in the business world for 30 years, although not involved in any of the mergers and acquisitions things they focus on. So I pick up probably 80% of what they're talking about. The rest just goes over my head. The season finale was quite a shock for me. I like Kendall more than I did in season two. But my god, he is so broken. I despise the fast-talking Roman for his grotesque obsession with masturbation and Jerry. He accidentally texted a penis picture to his dad. I respect Siobhan for the most part, except for all her lies to Tom, not the way to run a marriage. And Connor, who played the original Ferris Bueller, is just mildly entertaining. As much as I love the show, the podcast, or what I've seen of it so far, is very strange. It's a podcast you can listen to on all the podcast platforms, but you can also, quote, watch it, end quote, on HBO Max. I have no idea why. I started playing one of the season three episodes, and it's just this weird footage with voiceover from the actual episode, not at all aligned with the footage. And I didn't listen long enough to know if Kara Swisher, the host, 
actually interviews anyone or just dissects the episode. So I stopped watching the podcast and started listening on Apple Podcasts today. And I must say, season one of the podcast is normal. This Irish or Australian guy hosts it and interviews all of the main characters, which is very interesting. I'm on the last episode listening to Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, speak right now. If the second and third seasons of the podcast aren't similar to this, then I have no idea why it would have taken such a weird turn. I got revised lines for my Abe Lincoln role, which is filming a week from today on March 20th. This time around, it feels more real because someone working with Joe named Steve actually sent over a storyboard for the scene, which I've never gotten before. So now I can see what their vision is for filming the scene. Joe also texted me and is bringing my suit over this evening after work, so that should be fun to try on. It's definitely different from the other two movies I made with him. I don't think I've mentioned this, but I've decided to drop out of the Devil movie. We finished another round of rehearsals last week and have two weeks off, but she gave us all an out if we didn't want to proceed, and I'm going to take it. I had expected this to be finished in December of 2022, and I have other projects that are filling up my schedule. I haven't done any background work for two weeks now, and I don't miss it at all. I think I'm over it at this point. I was scheduled to do something called Judgment Pilot, Central this Thursday, but it just got canceled. And since I'm growing my beard out, I'm not looking to return to either Megalopolis or Project Artemis. I did reach out to the simple hair color guy I spoke to in mid-January since I now have my beard back and it's totally white, but I have this feeling that that's not going to pan out. This crazy robin bird has been pecking at my window for four days now. I've made a bunch of Instagram reels of it attacking the house, but finally Googled today to understand why he's doing it and what I can do to stop him. It's a territory thing. He actually thinks he's seeing another bird in my windows and is trying to attack it. So I close the blinds in the breakfast room and living room where he most often appears. I'll be back in a week or so to talk more about the filming of the Abe Lincoln movie, whose name I don't even know. Today is Friday, March 24th, 2023. We filmed my Abe Lincoln movie this week. Finally, it's called American Civil War. And yes, there are many other movies with the same name on IMDb. So good luck finding mine. It was originally a scene with just three people, me as Abe Lincoln with two cabinet members, but it somehow grew to be filled with 10 people, a woman playing a violin and her friend, two servants, a general, and another random woman and man. It's the third movie I've made with Joseph Jean. I made two in 2022 called Class A and American Mummy. This experience was the best of the three. The costumes were really good. When I arrived, he asked about my mustache, but didn't seem to care that I had decided to not shave it off. I mean, that would have looked weird, or I would have had to shave the beard off as well and start all over again, which I didn't want to do. For those who weren't aware, Abe Lincoln did not have a mustache, only a big bushy beard. Here's what I learned about knowing your lines, and I knew some of this, but I'm refining my process as I get more roles. You have to know your lines, that's a given. But you also have to know the entire sequence of who speaks and in what order. And you have to be able to pick up the scene at any point within it. You cannot ask them to start at the beginning every time. For this scene, it went like this. Evan, me. Evan, me. Evan, Steve, cat, me. Steve, me. Evan. I also memorized the last few words of the lines of the person speaking just before me. 
Why? Because you don't want to cut them off. If I know Evan is speaking before me, he may take a pause here and there, and if I don't know his final few words, I run the risk of starting my lines too early before he's done. However, knowing only the last few words is a bit scary because it basically means your brain doesn't know when it's your turn until it's almost too late. The final words hit your ears and then boom, it's time to go. So you kind of have to know the gist of all they are saying, essentially how long it is. I think it's actually important to know the first sentence in each of their sets of lines. Why? Based on the sequence above, I speak after Evan twice, after Kat once, and after Steve once. Since I speak after Evan twice, when he speaks, I have to know which of his, of his lines he's speaking. Is it the first or second? Otherwise, I don't know which of my lines to deliver. It sounds more complicated than it is, and it works fairly smoothly if the filming always starts at the start of the scene. The problem is it doesn't. Towards the end of filming, they kept picking up near the end where all that is left is Steve, me, and Evan. But at the time, I didn't know the order of those two characters speaking, which means I didn't know when it was my turn, which meant I screwed up one take and had to look at the script to cement in my brain the correct order. Evan spoke four times. Evan me, Evan me, Evan cat, Evan no one. So if we picked up at any of his lines, I had to know where we were in the script in order to speak the correct set of my lines after him, assuming it was my turn to speak. The process is very simple if there are only two characters speaking, because it's just like a tennis match back and forth. But when there are three, four, or five people speaking, it gets complicated. And if someone else screws up, it really messes with your brain. At one point as we were filming, I was sure that Evan was speaking the wrong lines, which meant I didn't know what to do. Follow his lead and speak the lines that come after whatever he just said, or speak what I was supposed to say at that point in the scene. To make matters worse, some people had the wrong version of the script, which had changed a few times. There were a few times when they yelled action, someone spoke, and we all stared at each other, wondering whose turn it was. I met some really nice people on set, and on my way out, Joe threw me a curveball. He said I was in two more scenes, but didn't provide any sides or indicate exactly when. I relished the opportunity to do more of these individual scenes down the road. That's what made this experience so much better. Instead of cramming lines for eight scenes into my head, as I did with American Mummy, I could focus on one at a time. It is still Friday, March 24th, 2023. I have so much to say that I had to cut it into two pieces. This is the rest of it. During my film two class this week with Josh Price at the Alliance Theater, we did a scene from The Resident while holding the class inside of the Woodruff Arts Center, which is where parts of the show were filmed. It was weird. One of those cheesy reporter scenes where someone in this case, Dr. Kit Voss, is giving a press conference, and there are at least three reporters yelling questions at her. I realized that I've seen more reporters on sets in the past three years than in the real world, and wondered if they actually exist anymore, or if they become some type of staple for TV and film of something that no longer exists. And because you don't actually see how the gaggle behaves while watching a news report on TV, you only see the one reporter's footage, you're not actually sure how the process works. I see tons of postings for reporters and would never submit for one of these. I've been there and done that. Same for stereotypical cop and maybe even doctor and lawyer. I feel as if TV just gets stuck in these archetypes and assumes the world is still fascinated with these occupations 50 to 100 years later. 
I am not. I'll take Succession any day over Grey's Anatomy. But I am learning how auditioning for a guest star role is different. It's about delivering what they want and getting out of the way, not making the scene about yourself. We did another scene where we had to play an aging, out-of-breath cop who had just walked up ten flights of stairs only to enter an overcrowded courtroom and see that the judge had let her collar off on his own recognizance due to overcrowding. I was in my gym clothes and jogged into the scene in a manner resembling a fitness guru, and everyone laughed. We had to drop the F-bomb in the middle of the scene, and no one seemed to have a problem with that. I should have said fudge instead just to see what people would do and claim that my Christian upbringing prevented me from saying the word. I'd just be acting, of course, but would they know this? As part of my Amy Jo Berman group coaching this week, I did my first live coaching with a scene from a movie called Wizard of Lies. Fascinating. The goal of the scene is different for each character. I went a bit too far in my analysis. It was quite simple. Catherine Hooper, the fiancé, wants Andy Madoff to do an interview. The movie came out in 2017, six years ago, but I don't remember hearing about it. It's now on HBO Max, so I can watch it for free. There's also a brand new one about Bernie Madoff on Netflix. I do clearly recall the scandal in 2008. Long story short, he was sentenced to 150 years in prison. His older son Mark committed suicide a year later, and poor Andrew died of cancer in 2014, still engaged to Catherine, but not officially divorced from his first wife, with whom he had two daughters. Only Bernie's wife remains. She lives in Connecticut, close to her six grandchildren. The scene takes place just after the scandal breaks and is about Catherine trying to convince Andrew that he needs to proactively get ahead of it, while he believes it would just blow over and they should just ignore it. In trying to define her goal, I landed on something much larger than the scene itself. I did what Amy Jo Berman advises. If the goal seems slippery, tack on the words, quote, so that, unquote, at the end and fill in the blanks. Keep doing this until you have a solid goal. So I concluded too broadly that she wanted Andrew to proactively address the scandal so that the world would answer the question, did the sons have anything to do with it? Did they know what was going on? The more quickly that question could be answered for the world, the sooner Catherine herself could decide whether she believed Andrew was innocent or not, and thus decide whether she still wanted to be his fiance. I think Andrew's goal was to convince Catherine that the whole thing would blow over quickly, that no one cared about the sons, and that they need not worry about it. Ultimately, they both wanted to minimize the impact to their lives and relationship, but the goal of the scene is much smaller. On the Zoom call, I was paired with a guy who happened to pick the same scene. So for 15 minutes, I read my lines as Andrew, and he was my reader as Catherine, and then we switched. I feel like a fish out of water. The actors in this group are real actors. As intimidating as it is, I'm learning a lot from them. The robin outside my window is still annoying me after 14 days. I think I mentioned this earlier. It's pooping all over my windowsills and pecking at the windows, leaving these strange white marks that I have to clean off with Windex. My neighbors suggested I buy a concrete statue of an owl to scare it away. Hey, it's afraid of me, but I have better things to do than pull open the blinds and wave at it like a big scarecrow. I've had three weeks off from background work since finishing the two big movies I did in January and February. I have my beard back. I'm doing two other shows this week and next. Yesterday, at the first one, half of my resident friends were there. 
they're auctioning off all the show items in Conyers. I don't feel like driving that far, and as much as I love some of the artwork, it's not in the budget. My first day back on a background job was not very fun. I sat for 12 hours dressed in one of my suits, and I never got used. I swear that everyone else did. I didn't really care. It was such a strange mix of people. Eight to ten former resident colleagues, my son from She-Hulk, Vanessa from the Big Tarby commercial, Amanda from The Walking Dead, and Brian from Project Artemis. We have four more days, and then I'm on a Marvel project for three days. Oh, did I mention how much I'm over background work? Mark my words. The more you do principal roles, the less exciting background becomes. Almost two years ago, I met Amanda on The Walking Dead. We got all into my divorce, which at the time hadn't turned ugly yet. So I caught her up on all the details of how it panned out. And then she asked, what was your name again? And I thought to myself, I've spilled my guts to you over the course of two years and you don't even know my name? Just kidding. It's hilarious how some people will stick in your brain and you'll remember every detail about them, but they don't have the capacity to reciprocate. I mean, she knew who I was and recalled the discussion, but maybe just didn't remember my name. She's with East Coast Talent and is represented by Barbara, who also represents my friend Kate. But I do know one person, Jerry, who doesn't think Barbara did a good job for him at all. I also just booked a film called Back in Action. Ironically, they are filming part of this on the street where my ex now lives in East Atlanta. He sent pictures last week, and then a few hours after I booked it yesterday, I realized it was the same movie. I'm playing a soccer dad. The industry seems to be following him around. First the wonder years at his prior home, and now this. Adiverderci! Today is April 1st, 2023. No joke. I worked in a fake law office this week on a new ABC TV show. It didn't feel as fake as a fake hospital. And since I frequent law offices fairly often for real estate closings, I know what a law office feels and looks like. They do come in all shapes and sizes, and they are not as glamorous as TV and the movies lead us to believe. That's the problem with entertainment. Something gets lost in translation, and the world develops this idealized vision of a doctor's or cop's or lawyer's life. At least for many of the real estate attorneys I work with, they tend to be pretty down-to-earth. There's nothing high-powered about them. You never see them on TV shows like L.A. Law or Perry Mason. I just realized I cannot think of a current popular TV show focused solely on lawyers. The Practice? from 1997. In my last segment, I talked about the three Bernie Madoff films and miniseries. I watched two last weekend, the 2017 movie called Wizard of Lies on HBO Max and the new documentary on Netflix, which is much, much, much better. Robert De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer were just okay in the movie. The documentary has all of the real people in it, including Bernie interviewed while in jail. The scene we did in my group coaching wasn't very impressive. A much younger Lily Rabe flipping out of our the paparazzi and the Bed Bath & Beyond scene didn't even end up in the movie. The documentary changed my view of Wall Street and regulators. The SEC totally botched this for years. JP Morgan knew what was going on. I am no longer proud to have worked for JP Morgan on Wall Street for a decade at the start of my career. This same culture continues to exist, but I have grown and moved on. Finally, there's also a 2016 four-part series about Bernie Madoff with Richard Dreyfus available on Amazon Prime, but they want $20 to buy it. Screw that. 
I officially and finally dropped out of the double movie last Saturday. I've had a draft of the email sitting around and finally just sent it. Sometimes you have to wait to send an email until you are mentally prepared to deal with the repercussions. She called me a few hours later, but I didn't pick up. Then she texted. Then she emailed. A few days later, my friend Sebastian, whom I introduced to her and who ultimately got a role in the film, texted me. She offered him the role. He wanted to know if I had done a character study, and if so, could I share it? Um, no and no. He called it a, quote, backstory, unquote. To be honest, when I got the script a year ago, I didn't even know what this was. And now that I know much more about preparing for a role, I still never did it. Now that a week has passed, I feel really good about leaving this one behind because there are so many other things coming my way. I have two editions coming up in the next two weeks. So to address the annoying bird, I bought a set of three plastic owls to put in my windows. They arrived this morning, but when I went to set them on the windowsills, they are too fat to perch in those spots. So one is on the stair railing in the back and the other two are inside the house on the interior windowsills. I cleaned up all the bird poop since that's my way of telling if the bird is returning. If these don't scare him away, I'm sending them back to Amazon. I did my first few days on a Marvel movie this week. I've never played a White House analyst. It felt really real in this crazy war room situation. About eight of us sitting at dust with computers all facing a giant wall with eight monitors. My computer screen has three vertical sections. The left was fixed, but the two right ones had some type of computer code scrolling across it. While waiting to shoot, the principal actor commented that he liked my Argyle sweater, and I said, Target special. It's a black, gray, and white one I also wore in Ozark. We had fake voltage to carry around. Mine had content that looked real, and one of the other background who actually worked in DC said some real stuff does get released to the public. One folder said classified on the outside, so I joked, can I take this to my house in Mar-a-Lago? Despite the call time changing three times, at one point it was 5.30 p.m., which caused me to consider canceling. It landed at 2.30, and we were done by 10 p.m. False alarm, but Trilith is so far away, and the shuttle service there is awful. They are very efficient at getting you from background parking to holding, but at the end of the night, when you're wrapped, guess what? The vans have a priority, and it's to get crew where they need to go before they pick up background. So, three of us just walked from stage 10 to parking. We got there before any vans arrived. I got a call back for some LGBTQ thing from a company called Salt and Lime. So that interview is this coming week. And I was asked to live audition for something at Backstage, which I've never done. I've only done this through Actors Access. For my final Film 2 class, we are doing a mock audition for a guest star role on a TV show. This is a real show and an episode that has not yet aired. I really like the script. The show is called The Summer I Turned Pretty, an Amazon Prime original. I watched the first episode a few days ago just to get a feel for it. This always helps you understand who the characters are because words on a page just don't do it. They're not very clear about where it takes place, but I think it's New Hampshire because there are references to Portsmouth, although there are multiple cities with this name, and it could be Virginia. They're in a fake town called Cousins Beach, and since I'm familiar with New Hampshire and know how tiny its coastline is, I think it's actually set in Virginia. Long story short, Josh Price always suggests you watch the TV show you are auditioning for so that 
whatever way you play the character fits in with the vibe of the show. Anyway, I think Laurel Park is extremely uptight. I'm meeting up with her in a bar for some type of writer's gathering, at least in the show, that is. Wednesday is going to be busy. I have a haircut in the morning, the LGBTQ interview midday, and then this in the evening. Then I'm off to spend two days on a new Cameron Diaz movie filming here in Atlanta. Today is Sunday, April 9th, 2023. Happy Easter. Not the Greek one, of course. That is next Sunday. I will not be going to church for the midnight service and trying to drive home with a lit candle so I can bless all the doorways in my house. Too much work. I won't even go to church on Sunday. Blame my parents on the horrible Greek Orthodox religious experience I had as a child. I cannot undo that. Sorry. I worked on another movie this past week as a White House analyst. Matt Springer from Red Notice was on set. He did my makeup Monday and asked how I pronounced my name. And instead of answering that question, I said, I go by DJ. The chef was interesting to watch. He made my omelet using three pans. I've never seen this approach before. Egg, mushrooms, cheese. Put the cooked egg over the cheese and then the mushrooms on top. So the cheese ends up on the outside of the egg and crispy instead of inside and gooey. Marvel's policy on phones depends on the scene. That is what the phone policeman told me. Friday was lock them up. Monday was just tape over the camera. Tuesday was severe. Lock them up at all times and then find the person to unlock them. Ridiculous. I just kept mine unlocked in the case and went outside to use it when I needed to. An aging actor in his 80s likes to yell and joke on set. Quote, let's get this S-H-I-T movie filmed. Unquote. He dropped an entire roll of paper towels and it around and the woman cleaning the windows had to roll it back up and he kept forgetting to motion to us to sit down. I binge watched the entire season of The Summer I Turned Pretty to prepare for my last film two class. It's amazing how much you learn about a character from watching versus reading one scene therein in a future episode that hasn't even been filmed. My final film two class was Wednesday night and it went very well. You learn to experience how to analyze a scene and prepare for it and get better at it. I cannot wait to see the video of my performance, which I should get in a few weeks. Despite not liking the fact that he really doesn't give homework, kudos to Josh Price for giving us such a great final assignment and teaching me about every little decision I can make regarding what I bring to a scene. I worked another BG movie on Thursday at a fake soccer game. It was interesting watching a bunch of 18 to 22 year old women run around all day chasing a soccer ball. I wondered if I would ever experience this for real. I got to hang with my friend Catherine for part of the day and ran into Kate, whom I haven't seen in ages, and also make some new friends. I learned a bit of Korean, how to say Korean person, are you? I've never gotten so many bumps in one day. $25 for my car and $15 for each item I brought, which for me was a cooler, camping chair, and umbrella. I got a sunburn and we were there for 14 hours, which was exhausting, but it turned out to be a fairly easy $250 day. We're doing it again on Monday. There's a very strange thing that happens on set if there's a celebrity whose behavior you don't find amusing. This one actor kept riling up the crowd while we were not filming, and I thought to myself, quote, I hope he doesn't come near me because I am not a fan of what he's saying right now, unquote. 
He did a wonderful Donald Trump impersonation, which made it clear he's not a Republican. And then I thought how risky this might be if central casting had somehow hired only Republican background people and they all got up and protested against him for being a Democrat. I mean, that sounds crazy, but it could happen. This has happened to me before, primarily on the set of Family Feud, where I found some of Steve Harvey's stories revolting. While on set this week, my friend Vanessa Skull gave me her new business card, which included a QR code to her Linktree profile. There, I found a link to a movie she made called Tiny Black Box. It's hilarious. Look for it on Vimeo. Just as interesting was watching her reel and seeing what kind of work she's done. I have a backstage audition for a film on Monday, but canceled it since my soccer filming was moved to that day. It's a sci-fi thriller filming in central Arkansas, and that's almost an eight-hour drive for me. It's much easier to stick to projects here in Atlanta, where this week the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported we have surpassed New York in terms of sound stage square footage. We are now third in the United States after Los Angeles County and fourth in the entire world after LA, the UK, and Ontario. We have 3 million square feet of sound stages, and it's growing every day. My boxer movie films this Friday, so I will check in after that. He wants me to dress in business attire, which makes no sense to me since therapists are casual people. A suit will just scare my patient away. Boo! Today is Saturday, April 16th, 2023. I worked on something called Conrad this week at Village Skate Park at 1060 Donald Lee Hollowell Parkway, Atlanta, Georgia, 30318. They have the coolest murals there all in one place, and I plastered photos of them all over Instagram. There I met Sandra, who is 66, and won the bet that she was older than me. She gave me a big morning belly laugh, and then I returned the favor. I got to know Andrea a bit more. She lives in McDonough. They tested us at 7 a.m. and never cleared me. I got an email at 7.40, but they ignored my pleas and insisted they would call me up and stamp the underside of my wrist with invisible ink only visible under a black light. They did call me back for Tuesday, and I went, and this day the testing worked. We had to put earplugs in so that the gunshots didn't ruin our eardrums. One scene was similar to what I've done on The Walking Dead. Basically run in circles for a few minutes and create chaos, but don't crash into anyone. But this time, we were inside. I stayed in the far back where the floor was drier because they kept hosing it down and I didn't want to ruin my new tan suede Chelsea boots. I will never wear those to set again. Let me tell you about the pain in these for 12 plus hours. North Avenue gets really weird as you approach Donald Lee Hollowell Parkway. We parked in the giant grass field and were blocked in so that we had to drive on the paved path trail to get to the next aisle so we could exit from there. In what could have been the stupidest decision, I almost tried to drive between two big barriers to get to the street, thinking the giant SUV in front of me had just done that, but then I saw out of the corner of my eye that it had not done this. And checkout took so long, I was first out on day two that the shuttle bus we were on was leaving with only four people on it so that we wouldn't have to sit there for hours waiting for it to fill up. Only God knows why a central casting project required us to complete all paperwork, including the I-9 and federal and tax forms for the state, every single day we were there. 
And then leaving on the second day, they suddenly wanted us to airdrop or message our identification to them. If you're a process excellence type of person, this will drive you nuts. I ran into Alex from Red Notice and caught up. It was one of those situations where you never meet the person until the project is over. And then you get to know them incrementally as you run into them and wonder why you never spoke to them on Red Notice in the first place. While working on back in action for two days, I spent half of Monday spreading rumors that we would be there until 11 or midnight based on the information I was given but we were wrapped at 8 p.m. again. About an hour before this, 30 Papa John's pizzas arrived for background. Crew got Domino's, and I immediately tried to understand the rationale. Is Domino's better, or does it cost more, or could Papa John's not handle more than 30? Everyone just stood around waiting to be told they could eat until some woman whispered that we could go ahead and start. And then guess what? Domino's pizza was delivered on the set of Conrad Tuesday, but background got no pizza whatsoever. We filmed Hang Up the Gloves with Marshall Williams at some office complex off Windy Hill Road on Friday. This is the SCAD student film I was hired to do with no real audition needed. I was just there for my scene, which took only five hours. It was your typical student film with a lot of people buzzing around. The scene was a bit intense and we did several setups for it. So after a while, it got to be exhausting, reciting the same lines over and over again while delivering them the exact same way. My co-star, who is the fighter, is Sean M. Sullivan, and he's from Augusta. He also does stand-in and stunt work here. It's so interesting making small talk with people and getting to know them before filming and between takes because it humanizes them and makes the scenes more comfortable, especially when it's your job to stare them in the eye throughout the scene. His character got to look away from me a lot. I only flood my lines once, and the director actually liked the fact that I paused for a good 5-10 to 10 seconds trying to remember what my next line was. The most awkward setup was when they filmed my profile, and in order to get the eye line correct, I had to stare at a corner where two walls meet next to Sean instead of at him. I learned that this makes the conversation more difficult because the only sense I can use is my hearing to listen for when he's done speaking. When I am looking at him, I have visual clues to help with this. Try this sometime. Have a conversation with someone without looking at them. It's much easier to know when they're done talking if you can see their face. And then the second weird shot was at the very end. They had a close-up where my lips were in the center of the frame. I have no idea what that is going to look like. I left just before three after saying goodbye, giving Sean my acting business card and having someone take a few photos of us. I do hope he sends me copies. I will look for him on Jackpot, which he's currently working on and other things down the road. I had to sit in bad rush hour traffic to get home. And yes, rush hour in Atlanta starts at 3 p.m. on Fridays. And I was so exhausted from this week that I canceled an EcoCast self-tape due today at noon because I am just too tired to do it. Ironically, it's for another therapist role. Perhaps I'll be typecast as this forever. I got my footage and feedback from film two three days ago from Josh Price, but didn't watch it until this morning. It's a million times better than what I did for film one. I did laugh pretty hard at some of his comments. I'll try to cover this in the next episode. Off to spend the weekend wrapping up work for a condominium I am putting on the market on Thursday. Let's sell that mother ASAP.
That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of The Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.